2: Brought to you by Quick Creek, Pavestone, and higher. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler
3: and I'm Leslie Segretti.
2: What are you working on on this beautiful summer weekend? If it's your house, you're in exactly the right place because we're here to help. Pick up the phone and give us a call right now at one eight 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 Money Pit 3974 Coming up on today's program, we're going to talk about kid safety when it comes to home-related emergencies. You know, just because kids might be old enough to stay home alone, they may not be able to handle a home-related emergency. We'll have tips for kids just ahead. Plus, there
3: are a few handy tools that you may want to have on hand as a homeowner that help you with simple electric fix-ups. We'll tell you what you need to know.
2: Plus, over a quarter of a million injuries happen every year due to a task millions of us do every weekend about now, yard work. We've got some tips to keep you safe.
3: Plus, if you give us a call today with your home improvement question, you might also win a $50 prize pack that will help make your outdoor living much more comfortable. We're giving a supply of the new Terminex All Clear Mosquito Bait and Kill. This is the only control product that mosquitoes actually eat. And in just two to three weeks, those populations are cut by more than 90%.
2: Better yet, it's 100% non-toxic and safe for people. You'll get two twin packs plus a $25 gift card to the Home Depot. Give us a call right now with your question for your chance to win. The number again is 1-888-MONEYPIT.
0: Marge in New Jersey is on the line with a kitchen question. How can I help you today? I have a uh, carousel in the kitchen for the kitchen cabinets, and uh, the shelf, the top one, is uh, dropped a lot, and I can't figure out how to go about to uh, secure it, or how in the world do you t- repair something like that?
2: So is this sort of like uh, what we would call a lazy Susan, like sits inside of a cabinet and spins around?
0: Yes and holds the pots and pans.
2: They take a lot of wear and tear, don't they, Marge? I mean, uh, over all those years?
0: Sure. Does it have to be replaced or can it be repaired?
2: Well, it depends. I mean, the first thing you do is clean that cabinet out and take the existing carousel apart. Now, if the mechanism itself, uh, like the ball bearings, have fallen apart, there's a bracket between the carousel and the bottom of the cabinet that has like two plates on them and they spin on ball bearings. If that Access has broken down, which it could over many years, you know, that uh, has to be replaced. And the thing is that those parts are all available, especially for those old cabinets. You can usually find them online if you, if you research them. And essentially what has to happen here is you got to take that whole thing apart and then rebuild it. Now, this might be a job for a carpenter or a cabinet maker or somebody that's just handy enough to, to be able to tackle this. But I find that when I look at something like this, that, that cabinetry will speak to me. It will tell me how it went in and what has to be done to take it apart. If you look at it very carefully, you can usually Figure it out because somebody put it in to begin with, and there's got to be a way to disassemble it. Does that make sense?
4: Uh,
0: Yes, that does. Now, since there are two uh, uh, levels, one on the bottom and one on the top, the ball bearings would be in the bottom level so that if I start unscrewing everything, uh, where would I find them? Does it make a difference if it's a two shelfer? There's one shelf way on the bottom, then there's the space. And then mm-hmm. you have another shelf.
2: Right. I don't think it makes a difference because I think it's all part of the same assembly. And and the ball bearings are going to be on the bottom, not the top. The top it may have like an access point, like an axle, but the spin is going to be under where all the weight is. Okay, so that's that's the side of it. Does this carousel uh, still move or is it too stiff?
0: No, it still moves.
2: It still moves. What part of it is broken, Marge? Uh,
0: the, the actual shelf itself, the top shelf appears to have dropped about uh, eight inches.
2: All right. So here's what I would do. If it was just the top shelf that that dropped, I would look for a way to repair that top shelf. And I can't tell you exactly how to do it, but probably figure out a creative way. If that's dropped down, if it's sitting like on a center column, then they have to get something up underneath that to support it.
0: Okay.
2: All right. So that's what I'll do. Good luck. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
3: JR in Texas is on the line with a question about bees. It was a dream. That's all I'm saying.
2: <laughs> hey JR, how can we help you? I went to my water meter, and in the
0: water meter, there's a nest of uh, bumblebees um, and our honeybees. Sorry about that. And I'm looking to see what's the what's the correct way to maybe remove them, to relocate them somewhere else
4: before their nest gets destroyed.
2: Boy, I tell you what, I got to say that if. It- You know, I've seen them in trees, and I know that beekeepers uh, with the proper equipment and the proper procedure can move them. But if it's attached to something very structural or mechanical like a water meter, that makes it a lot more difficult because you can't clip the water meter off your house with the bees attached to it and carry it to a new location. So I'm going to have to punt on this and tell you to get some advice from a local bee expert and see if they can figure out a creative way to, to move that hive safely um, because it is attached to the water meter. And I guess it's really going to probably come down to how much, <laughs> how much inconvenience you're going to want to go through because I don't even know if it's possible to get that water meter off your house. You'd have to shut the water off from the, from the street. Um, I applaud that you want to try to preserve these bees, um, but this is a very difficult spot for you to have to uh, extract them from. Say
0: your time. Uh, That is pretty much my question on that.
2: Well, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
0: You
3: are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. What are you working on this almost end of July weekend? Gosh, summer is flying. Is there something that you need to get done before Labor Day is here? That's right. I said Labor Day. It's going to be here before you know it, guys. So let's get your money pit in tip-top shape before it's fall. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week at one 888 pit
2: 888-666-3974. Coming up, can your kids handle a home-related emergency? You know, like a broken pipe or a tripped electrical breaker? We'll have tips to help after this. You
0: live in a money pit.
2: Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
3: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
2: Pick up the phone. Give us a call right now for the answer to your home improvement question at one 888 Pit. Plus, this hour, we're giving away a supply of Terminix All Clear Mosquito Bait and Kill. It works in three simple steps. First, it baits the mosquitoes with a sugar attractant. That kind of is a formula that mimics mosquitoes' natural plant sugar, and it makes the bait really irresistible so they can't help but feed on it, then it gets them with a safe, ingestible toxin. Seems kind of odd to say safe and toxin in the same sentence. But if you're a mosquito, it's toxic to you, but safe to humans. Basically, the sugar bait is infused with a lethal dose of micro-encapsulated garlic oil. So that's going to take care of the mosquitoes. And guess what? It collapses the populations in two to three weeks. After feeding those mosquitoes that begin to die off in 24 to 48 hours, and in two to three weeks, those populations are down by more than 90%. So a really great 100% non-toxic and safe way for people, pets, and the environment to get rid of mosquitoes. You'll get a supply of the Terminex All Clear Mosquito Bait and Kill, plus a $25 gift card for your home improvement projects around that backyard. You can learn more at baitandkill.com or give us a call right now for the answer to your home improvement question and your chance to... Win at one eight 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 Money Pit.
3: And in Illinois is on the line with a question about a porch. How can I help you today? Well, I have this problem.
0: This porch is closed in, even on the north side, but the north side of it is not finished. And recently, I have had this moldy, musty smell in it. Now, yesterday it was nice. I opened the windows, and you couldn't smell it. Or when I have the dehumidifier on. But if I have neither, I can smell that musty smell. And my question is this. I've taken off the old insulation that was in there, and do I need to do anything like to the boards, to the wood, before I put... The new insulation in it, and will
2: that help? Okay, so first of all, this is a porch, so it's not a heated space. Is that correct? Yes. Why are you insulating it if it's not a heated space?
0: I just thought maybe that would help the moisture for the dampy smell.
2: No, not not at all. In fact, it will make it worse. You want to, you, you basically want to let this dry out as easily as possible. Look, anything that's outside in it is always going to be. Uh, damp just because of the nature of it. But I don't think you want to close this in, add insulation or anything like that. That's just going to hold moisture. And it has absolutely zero benefit uh, as insulation because you're not trying to keep the heat on one side and the cold on the other. So I would definitely pull that insulation out, Anna, uh, and I would air out those spaces. And what I would also do is I would spray uh, those walls with uh, a good quality cleaner like spray and forget that will take care of mold, mildew, algae, even dirt that forms on those walls, and take that out of the equation as as well. So pull the insulation out, spray them down, and then let them air out, and I think that will solve it. Anna, thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. Well, at some point, every parent faces the decision of determining whether or not a child is able to stay home alone. And as a parent of three, I know that every kid is different. And it's important to make sure that not only they're not going to hurt themselves, but that they can handle things that could go wrong in the house.
3: Yeah, good point, Tom. You know, for example, would your child know how to find and then shut off the water main in case of a major leak?
2: Hey, would you know how to find and shut off a water valve right. in case of a major like, leak, I right? Well, I'll tell you where it's located. It's pretty consistent. It's usually going to be, if you have a basement or a crawl space, it's going to be between the house and the street. So that wall, along that wall that's closest to the street, that's where you'll find that valve. Now, if you don't have a basement or crawl space, it's probably going to be in a bathroom or utility area closest to the front of the house because they want to shorten the distance between the main water pipe and the house. So that valve is going to be in that general area. Find the valve now, put a tag on it that says main water valve, and then tell your kids where it is and how to use it and when to use
3: it. Yeah, exactly. Not just any time of the day when they feel like turning it off.
2: Now, here's another one. Can your child safely operate a fire extinguisher.
3: You know, I don't know if I could safely operate a fire extinguisher. I've never had to use one. But guys, if you have a fire extinguisher in your house and you should have more than one, if you've got a fireplace, keep one near the fireplace and definitely have one in the kitchen. And if you have like a workspace in your garage, keep one in your garage as well. And you should get one that's rated for ABC, which covers like all different kinds of fires. And on the label on the fire extinguisher are instructions on how to use it. And just read it over with your kids so A, they know where it is, and B, they know how to use it. And C, just because I said get an ABC-rated fire extinguisher, um, don't practice because then they go bad.
2: <laughs> that's right. And basically, you just uh, pull the safety pin, aim it at the base of the fa- of the flame, and fire away.
3: And that's a good point, Tom. I mean, another thing is, say you're smoked Goes off. Does your child know what to do in the event that it does go off?
2: Yeah. Well, listen. I'd say the most, the smartest thing to do is just get out of the house because you know I don't want to send the child walking around the house to try to figure out what's wrong. If the smoke detectors go off and your kids are home alone, get out of the house and call nine one one. That's really the safest thing to do. You know, listen. If you know why it went off, because maybe you uh, were cooking, you know, burned the toast or something like that. That's one thing. But if you just hear that thing go off and you don't know why, get out. Out, call for help. Make sure kids know to do that. Now, here's one more. What would kids do if the power goes out?
3: Well, after my children started running around in circles, screaming their heads off, I think <laughs> it would probably be best you know, if they contacted a neighbor or just stay put with a flashlight until the lights come back on. I mean, everybody's got cell phones. I'm assuming if your kids are home alone, they've got a cell phone in hand, they should contact their parent immediately and then maybe have a plan already in place, whether it's going to a neighbor's house or just calling their parents till they get home and staying
2: put. Yeah. I mean, just having the plan in place helps kids know exactly what to do if these things were to ever happen. They're all great questions to ask yourself and to teach your children if you feel they're ready. Hey, If you've got a great question for us about how to take care of your house, give us a call right now at 1-888-MONEYPIT.
3: John, Rhode Island has a question about solar panels. How can we help you today?
4: Solar panels installed um, the latter half of March and uh, had been noticing a steady increase in production up until about two weeks ago. And um, I have uh, noticed the production falling off, and, of course, the pollen has increased. And I'm wondering if there's anything on the market that I could treat the panels with. The panels are located kind of high on the roof. Um, it's difficult to get to. And um, just like I said, I'm just wondering if there's something that I could add to it to have the, the, the uh, pollen wash off quicker.
2: So it's pollen and tree droppings, huh?
4: Hey, yeah, well, actually, the trees I'm in good shape with, but it's, it's really basically the pollen. I live in a wooded area. And like I said, I've, I've watched the production, you know, with these inverters. You can really carefully monitor what the uh, system is doing. So uh, although the days are getting longer and the sun is getting higher in the sky, uh, production is off. And the only thing I can relate it to is is the pollen.
2: John, that's actually a surprisingly common problem. And the solution is simply to clean those panels. Now, in your case, that may be easier said than done because you're telling me they're difficult to reach. It might also be possible to install sort of a cleaning system that consists of uh, manifolds that are installed right above those solar panels where you basically can turn on the water and run... Run water over them you know occasionally to clean them out, but of course that's a lot of work. Uh, is it possible for you to get a ladder up against the side of that uh, house there and uh, use uh, a hose or with some maybe a high pressure hose to be able to kind of wash the pollen off those panels because it's pretty well documented that uh, solar production goes down as you've discovered uh, when those pollen when those panels get covered with dirt or pollen
4: right right well i guess I guess the thing i 'm sure there's something I could invest in. Uh, certainly, a better ladder, a taller ladder, uh, and also there's got to be something where I can actually get the hose on a pole. Um, I have a pruning pole, and maybe point it at an angle, you know, where it could it could uh, it could wash the panels. But again, I thought maybe the solution would be: well, in the spring, get up on the roof, treat the panels, and then I should be all set. But. Um, You know, maybe it's just as simple as a hose.
2: Yeah, I'm not aware of any treatment there that's going to basically make them more slippery. You know, I guess there's maybe I'm thinking like in terms of a wax, but, you know, um, Hyde Tools, H-Y-D-E, they have a product called Pivot Pro that attaches to a regular hose and it has an angular nozzle at top, top, and it's designed for like cleaning gutters and then cleaning like boats and getting underneath spaces and things like that. And basically, the head um, pivots, so you can get all sorts of different angles with it, and also steps up the pressure of water coming out. It' pretty inexpensive tool. There, you might want to look that up online and give it a shot. I think I will. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit.
3: Now we've got Alan, South Dakota on the line who needs some help with mold removal. What can we do for you?
2: My
4: son has a house that has a mold in his basement. The uh, walls we'll stay like about, a, uh, about two feet up from the floor up, and um, just wondering how to remove that.
2: Is, it, uh, is this basement finished or unfinished? Finished. And the mold is on what, drywall?
4: Uh, no, it's, uh, it's a poured basement, and then there's, I think it's cemented over. Uh, it has a coating over it, and then... On the outside of that, there's this mold that appears.
2: Okay, so it's coming through the concrete wall? Yes, correct. Mm -hmm. All right, so then it's not finished. Uh, Does it look like grayish and white? Yes. Yeah, that's not mold. That's most likely efflorescence. Basically, water from the outside soaks into the concrete wall, and then that moisture evaporates into the basement, and it leaves its mineral salts behind. And you can prove it if you take some white vinegar and splash it on the on the salt. It'll just melt away and wash right away. Highly unlikely that what you're describing is mold.
4: Oh, so use some white vinegar, you say?
2: Yeah, people confuse it with mold all the time, but it's not. It's a mineral salt.
3: I guess just because of the location. You know, it yeah. seems like that's what it should be.
2: Yeah, yeah.
4: Great. Well, I thank you so much. Appreciate your help.
3: All right, thanks so much for calling The Money Pit. Up next, is your toolbox complete? Well, electrician Scott Karen from This Old House is here with simple tools that you'll need to handle the most basic electrical fix-ups.
2: And today's This Old House segment on The Money Pit is presented by Proudly Propane, clean American energy.
1: Hey, this is Jonathan Scott, host of HGTV's Property Brothers. Don't let your home become a real-life Money Pit. Listen to The Money Pit Home Improvement Show with Tom Kreitler and Leslie Segretti.
0: All The Money Pit radio. So, pick up the telephone,
3: fix up your home sweet home, by calling 888 Molly Fit. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy.
2: just go to Aquatrue.com. That's aquatr com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any Aquatrue water purifier when you go to Aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T, MONEYPIT. Making good homes better, this is The Money Pit, home improvement radio show where home solutions live. I'm Tom Kreitler.
3: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
2: Hey, would you like to save some money on your cooling bills? Well, be sure to use your home's programmable thermostat. Not only will it help you manage costs, setting that thermostat to control the operation of your central air conditioner can also reduce excess humidity in the home. So use it. It can help.
0: Beverly in Ohio is on the line. How can we help you today? I have a problem with my white vinyl fence, and I'm trying to see if you have any ideas as to what I can use to clean it. It's got black marks all over it from a youth that used to mow my used to mow my grass, and I've had it power cleaned twice. I've tried mist to clean it. Now I'm at a loss as to what I can do because it's you know it's an expensive.
2: Have you tried to use? Um one of those green scotch pads on it. That has just a minor amount of abrasion. I'm trying to think what actually could be making these black marks. Um, If it's something that's on top of the vinyl, then you should be able to remove it. The other thing is, if it happens to be something that is solvent-based, like tar or rubber or something of that nature, another thing that you could try to do is you could try to spray that with some WD-40. That has a pretty good ability of breaking down those types of substances just a little bit, perhaps on that green scrubby pad, rub it over that surface, and see if that lifts it off. I think the key is to try to figure out what that black mark is uh, and then what's going to take it off uh, from there. But I would try it in, those, in that order. See how you make out, Beverly.
0: Okay, Yeah, some of it's from the road and some of it is from them taking their lawnmower and trying to mow the grass right up against it.
2: Well, I mean, that, that would throw dirt and stones of it against it, but that should be clean. I mean, as long as the uh, whatever, as long as this vinyl fence is white all the way through, it's got to be something that's on top of it. And that's why I say you have to write the, find the right cleaner and the right tool to remove that. Beverly, thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
3: Well, we are big proponents of doing it yourself, but we caution against one area of home improvement that's best left to the pros, and that's anything electrical.
2: Yep, but there are some tools and tricks that you can have up your sleeve that while they're not a complete arsenal for do-it-yourself electrical work, they will keep you in the know and make sure you have the right diagnostic tools at your disposal. Here to tell us about them is This Old House electrical contractor, Scott Karen. Hey, Scott. Hey, Tom. Hi, Leslie. So we don't want to encourage the average homeowner to be taken on electrical projects. It's kind of just asking for trouble. But there are a few things that you can know and have on hand as a homeowner that will help make that electrical issue easier to resolve, right? Yeah,
1: certainly. Like the cell phone number of an electrician (laughs) because you're going to need to be calling them a lot. But certainly, there is some basic stuff.
2: Okay, so let's talk about maybe some of the troubleshooting tools that are out there. This will help sort of narrow down what's going on.
1: Well, if you don't have one of those fancy electrical testers, I think we all have a lamp in our house, and that works really well to see if a circuit's on or off.
3: You know, I think a lot of times if a circuit's off, a lot of people don't think about a ground fault circuit interrupter. I mean, that's their job. And people just forget to go check that first.
1: Yes, because when a GFCI, either an outlet or a breaker, trips, it stays in the middle position most of the time. Therefore, you have to shut it off and then turn it back on, and that resets it. That's a very common call that we get.
2: And frankly, in some houses... Uh, the place that that ground fault circuit breaker is turned off is actually on the outlet itself, and it might be in an odd location, like, say, a back garage
1: wall. Yeah, most of the bathrooms have one GFCI outlet that controls that same outlet in the other bathroom or bathrooms, and the same in a garage. If you have one outlet that controls another outlet, you may not see where it is. It might be hidden behind a shelf or something, but we usually put one GFCI outlet at the beginning of a circuit to protect all the other ones after it.
2: Now, that's a good way to diagnose why a circuit might be off, but if a circuit is on, perhaps behaving oddly for some reason, um, there are some tools, some simple tools that you can use to diagnose that, starting with a simple circuit tester,
1: right? Certainly, Tom. And one of the easiest things to do is buy one of those maybe $15 testers that they sell at the home center. It looks like a plug, and it goes directly into the plug, and it gives you an idea of what's going on by illuminating the lights. tell you that there's a dropped neutral or a loose ground or something like that. Now what about a tone generator? How is that used? When working with electricity, the power needs to be off. And a tone generator can assist you in determining what's going on with that circuit. It's sending a tone or a signal over those wires and it'll, sell, it'll tell you if something's loose or something's not connected or you have a broken wire. Really good tool to use.
2: And can it help you figure out what exactly is on that circuit?
1: That's another good point. Yeah, absolutely. If you have one or two or three outlets on that circuit, it'll help tone them out or signal you and tell you which ones are, are tied in together.
2: That can be good information, especially in an older house where I find that over the years, people have added a lot to their electrical system. So you sort of lose track as to what circuits are covering which rooms or areas of a home.
1: Yeah, one of the biggest misnomers that we hear a lot, someone will say to me, Scott, we have an outlet in the bedroom on the first floor, then it goes to the second floor, comes across and goes to the attic. When we run wires in homes, we pretty much run them the path of least resistant. We don't always think in a, in, a, in a room type of atmosphere where you have to have everything tied in together. So that's a good point that you bring up.
2: Now, a surprisingly easy tool for many homeowners to use, which provides very useful information, is a power monitor, right? Today, it's easier than ever to figure out how much electricity different uh, components of your home are actually using.
1: I have a power monitor. I didn't pay a lot of money for it. It was around $100. I have it in my house and I love it. It's one of the best things that we do. We kind of go around the house, turn lights on and off to see what kind of power is being used, you would really be surprised. I mean, I run somewhere between 1,500 and 2,000 watts of electricity on an average evening. And just by leaving the lights on in one room really affects that quite a bit. It tells you how much electricity you're using, tells you how much it's costing you, And really, it makes you aware of what's going on in your home. It changes your behavior. It does a lot. Yes, certainly. So let's talk about some simple do-it-yourself electrical
2: projects that perhaps beginners might tackle. Any suggestions there?
1: Well, the biggest thing is changing a light switch, again, with the power off. If your lights aren't working and you're pretty convinced it's a switch, they don't last forever. Changing that, adding a dimmer maybe at that same time. Changing an outlet. Sometimes someone was vacuuming and they broke an outlet by pulling the cord out. That's a pretty good thing, and um, the basic thing, Tom, that it all starts with is changing a light bulb
2: and making sure the power is always off. Yes, please. So, when do you know that a diagnosis is something that you really can't do on your own, or that you should really never attempt as a do-it-yourselfer?
1: When you're scratching your head, <laughs> when you're trying to figure out what is going on, and you know we get we get the call a lot where some will say, "Geez, you know, I got into this light fixture, started taking it down, and and now half the house doesn't work." So that's It's a great time to call an electrician and we usually come in there and spend a little bit of time trying to figure out what the homeowner did. But at the end of it, we get the lights working, hopefully, and, and they're happy.
2: And that's the key. Scott Karen, the master electrician on TV's This Old House. Thank you so much for being a part of The Money Pit. Glad to be here. And Ask This Old House is brought to you on PBS by Mitsubishi Electric Cooling and Heating. Make comfort personal. Still to come, is there danger in your backyard? Over a quarter million injuries happen each year. Learn how to stay safe after this. You
0: live in a Money Pit. Money Pit is brought to you by QuickCrete. It's what America's made of. For project help from start to finish, download the new QuickCrete mobile app.
2: Making good homes better, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
3: And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call at 888 Money Pit. You will get the answer to your home improvement question. Plus this hour, we're giving away a supply of Terminex all clear mosquito bait and kill. Now the bait and kill works in three simple steps. First of all, it's gonna bait the mosquitoes with like a specialized sugar bait. And that's a really great formula. It kind of mimics the mosquito's natural plant sugar. And then they really like it and they cannot stay away from it. And they're just gonna to wanna to eat it all up. Then it's going to go ahead and, sad to say, but happy to say, it's going to kill those mosquitoes because it has a safe and ingestible toxin and it's ingestible to the mosquitoes, not to you. And that sugar bait is infused with a lethal dose of microencapsulated garlic oil, which the mosquitoes, it's just super toxic for but it's completely safe for people and pets in the environment. And then lastly, it's going to collapse the mosquito populations in two to three weeks. So after they feed on the sugar bait, those mosquitoes are going to begin to die within 24 to 48 hours. And in two to three weeks, you're going to see that population decrease by more than 90%. I mean, this really is a great thing. Everybody's concerned about Zika virus, plus mosquitoes are just plain annoying. So it's a great prize for the summer season.
2: Good advice. You can learn more at baitandkill.com or give us a call right now for the answer to your home improvement question and your chance to win at one 888 Pit. Well, working in your yard provides a great opportunity to combine exercise and the pursuit of outdoor beauty, but it can also lead to injury if you're not dressed for the job.
3: That's right. You want to start with gloves. Now, sturdy work gloves are going to give you a better grip and then shield your hands from any painful blisters. And you guys know you're out there working, you're going to end up with blisters. Now, if you're going to be taking a stroll behind a lawnmower, you have to wear work boots, long pants, gloves, eye and ear protection, not just shorts and flip-flops with a can of beer in your hands, guys. I know that seems fun, but you got to protect yourselves because even if you're working, say, like with a string trimmer or an edger, you know, a quick pass with those types of tools will require eye protection, ear protection, because everything can just come flying up at you and that noise can hurt your hearing. And if you get anything in your eye, guys, you can permanently damage your eye.
2: Now, if you're taking on a chore that involves pesticides or other chemicals, you wanna wear long pants, long sleeves, and rubber gloves to protect your skin and add a breathing apparatus as well as safety glasses to protect your lungs and your eyes.
3: Now, after you've suited up and before you get started, take one more prep step, guys. Do a little stretching. I mean, just a little bit even. It's going to minimize your muscle soreness that can result from those hours and hours of your outdoor yard work. And I mean, really, I know it sounds silly, but you got to stretch. You don't want to hurt yourself.
2: Good advice. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Give us a call right now with your home improvement or decor question at one 888 Pit.
3: Jason and I was dealing with some asbestos removal, a topic I'm very familiar with these days. (laughs) Jason, what's going on at your money pit?
4: Well, we bought a house and in the basement, the ductwork has crumbling asbestos tape around all the seams. And um, I didn't know it was asbestos at first. A gentleman, a friend of mine kind of told me that it was, which was good to know, because I would have just started tearing it off there. But I know that it can be dangerous. And I've I've been told to put on a good HEPA filter mask and wet the filters and such, and, and you can take it off and wear gloves and be careful. But is that really the case? I mean, do I have to legally hire a professional to come in and remove something like that? It's definitely
2: a smart thing to do, Jason, because the problem with asbestos is it's very, very fine. It's finer than smoke. If you were to release asbestos particles, and assuming there was no wind, it would take eight hours for them to hit the floor. That's how fine they are. So what you're seeing is only part of the problem. What you're physically seeing, those chunks, is only part of it. This is a situation where you really can't do it yourself.
3: Yeah. And, and the other part of the equation is, is the disposal. You know, it's like you can't just take it and put it in a trash bag and stick it outside. Um, I'm right. in the process of having, you know, asbestos shingles removed from my home on the exterior and they have to be not only properly taken down and, you know, packed up in a certain manner, but they have to be completely, like, driven off to another state and certified that they've been disposed of in a proper manner. Now, I'm sure with just the, the tape wrapping the, the piping... That's not going to be the extreme case there, but you do have to make sure that it's disposed of properly. You don't want to get in any trouble.
2: And by the way, Jason, you know, you can't visually identify asbestos. So the very first thing you should do is to have uh, some a sample of the material tested to confirm that it is in fact asbestos. But who would do that? Uh, an asbestos lab. Um, Leslie, you just had asbestos uh, testing done. Who did, you, who did you use for that? Was it a local lab?
3: It was a local company that, you know, also does the removal. Um, but there are several companies I would just, you know, look locally at asbestos removal and it was fairly simple and the test took about two days and it gives you a percentage of asbestos found in the
2: item and i mean it's interesting
4: well thanks so much for your time and and uh, hopefully it won't be too costly that i have to call it a money pit
2: okay jason thanks so much for calling us at 888 money pit
3: hey the kids are spending a lot of time at the playground this summer but is that playground safe we're gonna have some tips on some important areas that you should check after this
0: 888 money pit
2: Where home solutions live. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
3: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
2: Give us a call right now at 1-888-MONEYPIT or post your question online at moneypit.com. So Leslie, with the kids spending so much time outside, it's a good time to think about whether or not you're backyard playground is safe because, you know, so many of us have playgrounds on grass, for example, which is actually too hard to be safe for kids. So if you've got a swing set or a jungle gym in your backyard, you want to have about nine inches of wood chips or mulch on that surface so that if kids fly off and land, they got something soft under their bodies, and they don't get hurt. Keep that in mind and keep kids safe this summer.
3: You say fly off and land like it's an accident. You know the kids are like throwing themselves off of it. I mean, at least (laughs) that's what mine do. They're like, watch, I'm going to jump from all the way up here. I'm like, please don't. All right, well, don't jump into your work. Let's jump into our email bag. And I've got a post here from Jack in Mississippi who writes, Jack says, I recently redid my kitchen. I have a new stove. I seem to have more of a greasy film on everything after I cook. Is this a ventilation problem or would installing a better fan help?
2: You know, I wonder if uh, Jack replaced the fan uh, when he replaced the stove. I mean, it could be that this particular new stove uh, delivers more BTUs. Perhaps he's generating more off-gassing from that cooking than he did uh, before. But certainly, um, if you've not installed a new fan, that's the first place I would start. And Jack, I would make sure that I used a fan that exhausted outside if at all possible. You know, there are fans that just simply recirculate, but what you really need is one one that exhausts outside. And know that there is a wide variety of the quality of those fans out there. You want to look for one that's got a pretty high CFM rating. And you can use that number to compare. It's the cubic foot per minute of ventilation. It's going to basically tell you how powerful that fan is. And I've seen some good ones. I've seen some pretty bad ones. Uh, But you really want to take a look at that to determine if you're getting enough power of that vent fan to pull all that steam and grease and smoke out of the house.
3: I think, Jack, you're also super excited with your new kitchen and you're probably cooking a lot more.
2: That's probably right.
3: (laughs) All right, now we've got a post from Drew who writes, after a couple of months of heavy grilling, my gas grill needs an extreme makeover of its own. Do you have any tips for a mid-season grill cleaning?
2: Yeah, basically you're going to do the same thing that you might do in the beginning of the season. You know, that same char broiling grill action that uh, flavors our ribs and our chickens and our steaks. All that can really cause problems if you don't do a thorough grill cleaning once in a while. So here's what you need to do. First, I would soak the grids in hot soapy water and clean them with a nylon scrubbing pad. Now, if the grids are really crusted up, use an oven cleaner. Be sure to do that in a well-ventilated area and then rinse them clean. Next, you want to pull out the lava rock or the ceramic briquettes and clean them with a wire brush. And make sure you replace any that are deteriorated because sometimes they completely fall apart. And remove the burner. Brush it clean. Check for cracks, splits, rust outs, or holes. If they're found, that burner needs to be replaced. And lastly, you want to check those rubber gas hoses for cracks and replace any that show the slightest sign of wear. You know, one of the things you can do is mix up a 50-50 solution of liquid dishwashing soap and water. Brush that solution on all those gas connections, and then you can watch for bubbles. If their bubbles are seen, that means the connection is leaking and it needs to be fixed. Uh, before you continue with your grilling adventure. So those are the steps really to keep that clean and re clean it if it's gotten dirty. Do it now and then do it once more at the end of the season and you'll have a fresh, clean grill to start the following summer.
3: And you know what, Drew? Invest in a cover. I know it doesn't really do much for the interior of your grill, but it does a great job of keeping any sort of like leaves and dirt and debris from kind of getting into the grill when you're not using it. I mean, they're not super expensive. You can find them all over and it does help a lot.
2: This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Thank you so much for spending this hour with us. Hey, we hope we've given you some great tips and advice on how to improve your Money Pit. If you've got questions, you can reach us 24-7 at 1-888-MONEYPIT or always online at MoneyPit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler.
3: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
2: Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone.